Hello, everyone. Glad to see you this day. Uh, there is no junior church, so the kids, that means you need to get your bulletins and, and crayons and stuff like that, and uh, just be prepared for the ending that you know you get. For those who are new, they fill that out, um, and if they fill out their little bulletin thing, they get a piece of candy for paying attention. You guys just get the pleasure of paying attention. That's what you get. So uh, today is a very special day, a day where we get to honor our graduates. Um, I have been asked by a few, probably six people, to make sure my normal, typical short sermon um, is not normal or typically short, but actually a little shorter than normal. So instead of 45 minutes, I'm shooting for 39. Okay? That's what I'm trying to go for. But, uh... That started in the youth area. By my son? Oh, and my, my mom and dad, yeah. Yeah, sure. So this year we have several graduates that we're going to, um, honor and just commemorate here. Um... Brennan Holman, Brady Goff, Faith Cruder, Blaine Prosser, Lincoln Peppercorn. I'm not sure if I saw Ramey or not. No? Okay. Um, these are some that have just attended here. We have more that actually attend in, in our youth group, but they go to their own churches on Sunday mornings. And so I want to say to all those names that I just read, congratulations, parents. You're the reason that they graduated. You made sure their homework was done and got to school and looked good. Well, for most of them. Um, but you did all that work, and you, we are very proud of you, thankful for you, and, and ask and hope that you seek God's will and blessings in your life. This year we've been focusing on, on David. The theme for this year is to pursue, pursue a quest for a godly heart. And today in this hopefully shorter sermon, we're going to look at Psalm 73. In this psalm, we're going to find a message that reveals a a spiritual education, kind of similar to what our youth hopefully went through and all of us went through. And this is written by Asaph. Now, before we get to that, we're looking at David. Why would we now look to Asaph? Well, who is he? Asaph is a Levite in the same tribe as David. He is the son of Barakiah, one of the leaders of David's choir. Psalm 50, 73 through 83 are all attributed to him. He was lived around 1,000 B.C. And um, think for a moment, we get to hear from a writer of a psalm, a priest who lived around 3,000 years ago in the time of King David, and he's going to share what he learned through his life in a song that he wrote. This psalm speaks a message that I hope not doesn't just focus on graduates, but all of us as we grow and learn. Move from a consumer of faith to um, a communer of our faith. One who doesn't just take things, but actually gets involved in the relationship with God. So let's look, um, we're going to jump down to verse 1. Psalm 73, verse 1, this is where he starts. God is good to Israel, to those whose heart is pure. That's a great verse, isn't it? That I jumped a little bit there, John. Just go ahead and go to the first slide. That's clear enough, right? Um, God is good to those who are pure in heart. Who here qualifies for that? I see a few. One sleeping up here in her mummer's arms. And the, 
Um, it might be it. <laughs> There's a, none of us are truly pure of heart. God is good all the time, right? But what does it mean to be good, for God to be good to us? How do you define God being good to you? As I was reading this, what does that mean? What does it mean God is good to us? Asaph declares God's goodness, then he looks around the room, and this is where I think a lot of us come to, even those in, who are just graduating high school and those who are still in high school, we look around and question this. Look what he says, verse 2. God is good for all those who are pure in heart, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying life of ease while their riches multiply. Here's the first lesson that Asaph is really saying in these verses here. Life is not fair. Life's not fair. If life were fair, you all would look good like me. It's not a joke. I'm bald, bearded, and beautiful. And very humble. <laughs> but don't we sit there and look around and say it's not fair that the evil people prosper? It's not fair that I put in all this work. How many of you high schoolers? You put in the work and you only got to be. And yet that person over there who didn't really work hard, they get an A. Why is it they get all the stuff that I put the work in? Why is it that some bad people get all the good stuff and enjoy the bling? Why can't that be me? I thought God was good to those who are pure in heart, and yet these evil people, these conceited, arrogant, crooked people are winning. I thought God was good to those who are pure in heart. What's good about struggling to pay bills when they wicked have it all? That's an argument that a lot of people wonder. It's a, but it's a fundamental shift in what you and I are pursuing. We're looking at pursuing a godly heart, right? Well, we cannot pursue a godly heart if we are pursuing worldly things. If we're trying to get the latest new car or the latest um, cell phone or this or that, if we're pursuing those, we are not pursuing God. Asaph needed to change his focus. He was sitting there looking, God is so good, and yet look at all these evil people who are better off than me. Look what else he learned, starting in verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. I think right there we can say that he's probably over 45. If every morning he wakes up and he's in pain. 
If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Let's just pause. Hear what Asaph is saying in his heart. Has my faith, has my devotion to you, has my pursuit of you been in vain? Is it worthless to try to keep my heart, my life, innocent and pure? Where is the evidence that God is good to the pure in heart? And, and Asaph is asking, why am I working to keep my life pure? Why am I working to stay innocent? If all the good stuff goes to these people who don't care about God, why do I care? Where's the reward for doing what is right? Haven't we thought that? I hate writing papers in school and doing the homework. Is it really worth it? If I really do this, is it going to be worth that? I wrote a paper in a college course once, and, and I wrote some bad sentences, dramatically bad sentences on purpose, because I didn't think the professor read them. I was right. He gave me an A+, plus, one of the best papers he's ever read. Really? Why, why am I going to worry about writing a paper for him again? Is it worth it, putting in all this effort? I followed the rules, and yet I don't get the perks. Look back at verse 15. Asaph is struggling. He is resisting, blurting out what he thinks. That's what he says. I, I wanted to say this, but I would betray your people, God. See, he's a priest. He's a minister. And, and priests are supposed to be strong and wise and understand things. But what is he saying? I'm struggling trying to understand why bad people get good things and God's people suffer. And we all wonder that. Have any of you graduates been there? Have you experienced a time when you felt like a fool? Have you faced the power of peer pressure to push you away from your faith? Have you wanted to give up on God and just go after the things that look good because, you know, everybody else is doing it? And they're still getting good grades. They have all the friends. They have all the stuff. Have you thought about throwing away your innocence and diving into the polluted darkness of worldly pleasure? Is purity of heart not worth the pain of that peer pressure? And Jesus said, Blessed are you who are pure in heart, for you shall see God. But when? When will we see God? When through this? Where do we go to figure this all out? Listen, uh, graduates, I want you to hear this. Every one of you has been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Every one of you has confessed faith in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Son of God. Every one of you who carries with you the mark of discipleship that follows Jesus, where do you go to strengthen that desire to know what's next, to figure out how do I learn that, how do I surpass this easy road here to make sure I'm staying on Him? We all know where to go to lose it. Jesus said it in Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus said if you want to get there, if you want to lose your life, keep walking in sin. Keep looking at the path, the easy path. It's a whole lot easier. There's a lot of people on that path. I'm kind of a rebel at times. 
I like to look ahead when I'm driving and see, okay, there's a lot of people in this lane, so I'm going to switch lanes because I'm not a follower. And I want to make sure that you ever come up into the toll booths and everything, and you see everybody lining up behind two booths, and there's three empty ones. I'm like, why? Because we're sheep. We just follow. And so I make sure I go to the other one so everybody can see. See, I'm ahead of you now. I win. But what's the purpose? But that's the easy way. What about a hard road when no one's around you? And you're still trying to stay focused. You're still trying to stay pure. You're still trying to follow God. Keep on the easy highway and you're finding eternal destruction, Jesus says. Only those who, few who look to God for eternal life find heaven. Looking around here on this earth, we can get discouraged. We can lose faith like Asaph is struggling with here. We cannot pursue a godly heart if we are comparing to others. You're sitting there, well, I'm not as popular as that person. I'm not as good or great as that person. I don't have all the stuff that that person has. When I was in high school, it was Scotty Pilgrim. Scotty Pilgrim had all the money. He had the best mullet. That's when they were cool. They're not cool now, guys, okay? You need to understand, they really weren't cool then either. But they're not. There's some of you who have a mullet, and I'm making fun of you. But Scotty Pilgrim, he had the nice curly mullet back there, and he had a 73 Mach 1 Mustang. And it was blue. And all of us were like, oh, how, how can we not get that? And then when he got out of that, guess what he got? A newer Mustang. Before he graduated. I was comparing myself to Scotty Pilgrim. How many of us do that? We compare ourselves to the quarterback or the, the valedictorian or the art student or the music. or We compare ourselves to all these people. Look what they did and I don't. And then you flip it around. Look how good I am and they're not. And the focus is always here around us. We cannot pursue God in a godly heart if we're comparing ourselves to others. You won't find strength for your faith in places where everyone else is going these days. Where this world is going, you are not going to find things that strengthen your faith. The places that strengthen your faith are really becoming more, far, and fewer. The places that will strengthen your faith are harder to get to. Asaph's life lesson in this is when you face the struggles of faith and your theology clashes with this world, there's a place that you should go. And it's not the easy way. In fact, in here, um, the Hebrew world, word that he uses here is plural. Okay, so it's until I entered the sanctuaries. It's a plural word. I, I learned that. So look at verse 17. Then I went into your sanctuary, but it's plural. I went into your sanctuaries. Oh, God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O oh Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Here these Asaph is looking around at all this prosperity, all these guys who have the wonderful mullet and the great Mustang. And he realizes it's going to fall. It's going to fail. 
Where did he learn such a thing? Where did Asaph learn this? He had to go into the presence of God. Into God's presence. When we pursue God, when we pursue Him, let go of comparing ourselves, let go of trying to get the things of this world, and we pursue God, we draw near to God, and He'll teach us. God gives us an education that changes our character and shapes our destiny. Asaph learned this lesson. We cannot pursue God if we seek our way. He had to leave his ways and go into the sanctuary of God. And and those who don't, it said they plummet. Uh, When we lived out in Wyoming, I got to touch it and see a buffalo herd. And I got to hear how the Indians used to hunt them. And they would get along beside them and get them stampeding, and it was the whole herd. And then they would steer them by hooping and hollering and everything until this whole herd was running for a cliff. By the time the first ones, because buffalo are kind of nearsighted, they can't see very far ahead. By the time they saw the cliff, they started to hit the brakes. But guess what happens? Everyone behind them starts pushing them. And they fall to their destruction. And you know what the Indians were doing? Laughing. Idiots. I know what God's saying here. You're running to your destruction. And by the time you find out, everybody that you've led there is going to push you over. How silly. We cannot seek our own ways. We cannot pursue God if we are seeking my path, my understanding. To have a godly heart, we must pursue God's will. Asaph shows us here, look what he says in verse 21 in the following. Then I realized that my heart was bitter. This is the key here. Oh, God is good to all the pure in heart, but look at how evil and all these evil people are, are prospering. But I have a better heart. I was torn up inside. I was foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, oh God. I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. He went from, where are you, God, to, God, you're my everything. Because he shifted from his eyes looking down to looking up. In his pursuit of different things, Asaph learned that he's the one who walked away from God. He was the one who started getting bitter and comparing to others and trying to heighten himself on the things he wanted. He discovered the real meaning of good, and the real meaning of good is being near God. Just look at verses 24 through 26 again on your own. Look especially at the last two words. What does he say is his portion? How long is it going to last? God remains his strength forever. He just said, God is with me. Forever. Which means this, we can only pursue a godly heart by being with God. That's it. You cannot pursue a godly heart by seeking after the things of this world. You cannot seek a godly heart by seeking after the latest pretty person or, or handsome hunk. 
You cannot seek a godly heart by anything in this world. You can only find a godly heart by being with God himself. It seems like a really simple concept. Yet, every one of us in this room, too many of us, leave this truth in our past. We start looking ahead and thinking, oh, if I get this, if I get this, and if I put this in my past, then my life's going to be just great. And slowly we start looking and comparing ourselves to others and wanting the stuff. If you want to have a godly heart, you need to make sure you're spending time with God is a priority. Graduates, you're about to leave Mama and Papa's nest. Your bubble is gone. And you're going to be out there, whether it's a Christian school or not, you're going to be tempted with the things of this world. And you're not going to have mom and dad holding your hands. I'm going to tell you right now, I want, I wish I could walk with my kids into college and make sure it's all right. Do you know why? Because I'm scared. I'm scared they're going to make bad choices and decisions. And you know what? They probably will because look who their father is. It's, we're a fallen world. And I, I want to hold their hand to make sure they get it, but they can't. Asaph said, who holds his hand? God. And so I really want you guys to know. We want to see you succeed, but it is time and it's hard to let go of your hand and let you grab God's. Because when you do that, you're going to succeed far greater than we would ever get to. As you venture out of the bubble of your parents' home, will you look to God instead of the things of this world? Learn from Asaph here. Learn to focus your life to pursue God. When you pursue God, then you will have a godly heart. We're going to have something for you guys. The elders, if we could have all the elders come forward. Um, we're going to... We have a little gift for all the, the seniors, uh, but elders, we have to give them time to come up because they're not 18. Okay. What? Since the name elder, that's right. That means wise and learned one, people, not OG. If you don't know what OG is, I just learned it. If you're an OG, that means you're in the old guys club. I'm seeking membership, just so you know. So... Um, we're going to have a time where we're going to just thank you, honor you, and um, Dustin's going to handle this, and then the elders are going to pray over all of our, our graduates.